how can we think of a fashion service, fashion store, whatever it is, where you come in with a bag of clothes and you leave with less clothes and you feel more alive? And to me, that is sort of how one vision in how we can think of degrowth. What I really, truly feel at the heart of fashion is a sense of togetherness. Welcome to Fashion is a Great Teacher. This episode brings you Fashion and Vitality, the provocation dialogue by Otto von Busch and Christina Moon at Defashioning Education, a critical thinking and making conference in Berlin, the digital multilog on fashion education 2023. Otto von Busch is professor of integrated design at Parsons School of Design. In his research, he explores how the powers of fashion can be bent to achieve a positive personal and social condition with which the every person is free to grow to their full potential. Christina Moon is an Associate Professor of Fashion Studies in the School of Art and Design, History and Theory at Parsons School of Design, the new school in New York. Her most recent project on the wardrobe explores the interplay of image, clothing, text and textile through diaspora, exile and longing. Join us for a provocation dialogue that advocates a shift from our focus on fashionable goods to cultivating fashion abilities and reimagines fashion as a force for vitality and togetherness. Otto and I have a long-time friendship. We were actually hired at Parsons in the same year, 13 years ago or something like that, and... Our weekly lunches and gatherings for the Fashion Praxis Group has really sustained me in my own practice and writing and thinking and being with students at our university. The conversation that Otto and I will have is titled Fashion and Vitality. And I would really love for us to start speaking and thinking about what this word might actually mean for us when it comes to fashion. Otto, this word vitality, I think it's something I have to stop and think about, actually. I mean, we've been really, in all these different encounters, have been expanding these words that really have been circulating quite a bit when we think of the word fashion, which is sustainable or sustainability, circular, slowness, transparency to address the overconsumption of goods and the destruction of our planet, all of that. But when I hear this word vitality, I suddenly feel a very deep sense of hope. And I want to know what you think of this word and how you've come across it. A fashion that seeks life, as you write. And I want to know what were you living and experiencing or reading or doing to arrive at this word when it comes to fashion, fashion aliveness. And why do you think for you this might be a good starting point? It's now 15 years since I published Fashionable, my thesis, where I tried to sort of question this idea that why are we so focused on fashionable goods in the realm of fashion education and fashion? How could we think of that we are producing instead We're cultivating fashion abilities. And how would it be, how would we train and teach fashion for young fashion designers if they've thought of their work a little bit more like a service profession, if you want to say so, you know, thinking that it's not so much about you and your creative vision. Of course, it is still there, but you also serve a population. You serve a community 
And how would that just change if you would really see people and you would really see what they need and what they ask for and where their dissatisfaction and, and suffering is, in a sense. And the longer I worked on my work after my thesis and on participation, justice issues, inclusivity, the more frustrated I felt by how limited our sense of what we define as fashion is and how blunt our tools are to think what fashion could be. It seems we always discuss how to sustain, make circular, make more transparent, etc. The existing system, and it's so hard for us to think beyond the existing industry and what I sort of call the sort of the default fashion. I play with this idea that it's a little bit like the default settings on so many of our programs that could do so much more, but we only go for this very limited sort of scope of the full potential of what a thing could be or a program of the software. How can we move our vision and our horizon of potential beyond the existing system? And I did this in this little sort of self-published book of Vital Vogue. Could we really think of fashion as an emotion in the body? And that is what we define. And also fashion as an energy. It's the excitement I feel when fashion really works for me. That is what we should define as fashion, not what the industry is or what the coolest drop is or whatever, but the, the feeling in someone's body. Because that would just shift our perspective from the system and what some people at the top say and look at what excites you. I can come up to someone and ask them, what is fashion for you? What is it that actually excites your body and makes you feel alive when fashion works at its very best? How do we move the discussion on sustainability from just sort of sustaining the system to do something that fashion does at its very best? And we should not sort of, you know, keep our eyes to the ground only, but really try to lift our gaze to what fashion could be. Aliveness is there then something that we could find outside of the fashion system too. And this also sort of matches discussions around sort of degrowth and, you know, how can we think of degrowth when it comes to fashion? I always use the example of the hairdresser in a sense of how to imagine or how I imagine degrowth, you know, meaning that you go to the hairdresser and you go with more hair and you leave with less hair. You come to a service that actually takes material away from you, but you leave feeling reinvigorated. I feel like I'm ready for my date. I feel I'm ready for my job interview. I feel refreshed and I feel, you know, I'm pampered and I'm just, hopefully if it works well, I'm just a little bit more alive coming out of the hairdresser, but I leave with less material. How can we think of a fashion service, fashion store, whatever, where you come in with a bag of clothes and you leave with less clothes and you feel more alive? And to me, that is sort of how one vision, in a sense, of how we can think of degrowth in the sense of like, you know, the service and the experience of thriving is still there, but the material decoupling is very sort of, you know, it's, they're not sort of coupled with material wise. So. But so, so coming back to just <laughs> aliveness, that was a useful lens to sort of move our vision from the existing system into something that gets us to talk about when fashion really works, when fashion does it, what it's supposed to be doing. How can we focus on doing that better, serving more people, more population, a wider population, with that experience and feel that we as designers are exploring something else than sort of this enormous industrial unjust, I mean, in many, so many ways, horrible systems 
where can we put our creativity? How can we feel like we're still creating something amazing? Otto, I have a list of six questions, and now after what you just said, I have about a hundred more. <laughs> because I was thinking of writers that we have actually read together. Walter Benjamin, Hannah Arendt, Giorgio Agamben. But we've talked also about how they, through the times they lived in, really tried to make distinctions between, you know, biological life, life as defined as biological. And in my head, when I read it in terms of fashion, I think of industry and the industrial into actually something that they wanted to define beyond that. They wanted to also really, really distinguish this from the political, political life and the spiritual life, the emotional life, the sensual life, and the eroticness and playfulness that actually happens in daily life, life as we actually live it. And you call it vital forces in your writing, vital forces maybe beyond the fashion industry, even though we do make the critique and hold it and act on it. But what might trigger the aliveness? Could you give us some examples of things that you have written or thought about in your practice and in your writing and thinking that could give us some examples of the vital forces that trigger aliveness in fashion? I mean, so the metaphors that I use is in a sense, just to sort of get my students on the same page is that, you know, what will differ between clothes and fashion in some sense, you know, and I, I use, you know, the bakery as an example, you know, that, you know, the bread and the mere nourishment that you get, that is sort of the bread, that is the clothes in that sense, you know, and fashion is the sugar, that little extra that is not necessary. We will survive well without it and we can't only eat it, but it gives the sort of that little sweetness to life. It is that little exuberance that we meet at the bakery, you know, at the same time, we also encourage it in the sense of just training our senses to aliveness. I think it's easy to think that aliveness has to be, oh, I go bungee jumping or I do this kind of, you know, extreme senses of getting adrenaline rush, you know, or it has to be like orgasm after orgasm or, you know, whatever, something that is just like total sort of exuberance of life. But I think to me, it's also about this kind of, you know, how do we train our sensibilities to just the smallest pleasures, but that still makes us feel that the day is more than just any day. And of course, you know, again, there's class issues, a lot of issues around this and which classes are allowed to do this, you know, there's normatives, issues around this and so on. But one can also think of it as this kind of sometimes unnecessary things too, but that still gives us a flavor of life and makes us see beauty in so many ways you know again an example i use in the book is cut flowers cut flowers they give that little extra sensibility to a room they are biodegradable which is good but the whole industry behind them unfortunately is not very nice you know but they do give us at their best a sensibility for a room and a pleasure to a meeting because we have the flowers on the table that is just something that is just this little extra that gives us a sense of aliveness and feeling that we are close to something that we have given an occasion, that little special attention. And we are then sort of attuning our sensibilities to those beauties. And I think that is something that we perhaps don't see 
or, or don't pay so much attention to be in the realm of fashion too, because we look so much at spectacles. We look so much as, wow, have you seen that latest awesome mud bath drop or whatever it is, like some sort of super cool thing. But we very rarely just see each other. And that little beautiful thing that comes out from seeing someone and feeling someone that has that just little energy of a life and of a good day that just makes people feel, wow, wow I want to share that. And I see you. I'm, you know. Beyond the language of production, consumption, overconsumption and waste, you like to poetically think of it as vistas, the social, the elemental, the imaginal. Could you explain to the audience a little bit about what you mean by this? how it ties to life-sustaining practices in fashion? I take this idea of the three vistas or from the three ecologies of Felix Guattari. And uh, in the three ecologies, Guattari is sort of arguing for how our discussions around ecology is mainly focused on the environment and sustaining the environment, taking care of the environment. But he argues that we miss out how the natural environment is sort of linked to other and ecologies then, you know, a social ecology and a mental ecology. And I sort of call these just slightly differently, you know, an elemental ecology, which contains the elements, but also atoms and materials and a relational ecology that, you know, is our social relations and so on. And the imaginal relation, which is sort of our psychological life, if you want to say so. Gartari's argument, like why it's so hard for us to sustain and make our living ecology of the world, you know, the environment sustainable is because it's linked, it's intrinsically linked to our social ecologies and our mental ecology. Meaning that in order for me to feel good about myself in my psychological life, I need to buy more stuff in the way that consumerism works, you know. And I do this in competition with other consumers, which is the social ecology, you know, and that has effects onto the environmental ecology. So we cannot think that we can just like solve ecology and the industrial system if we don't also think that we must actually engage with our social life and think about how do we rethink the way that competition, capitalism, and so on, of course, infiltrates our social life. But also how these values and these systems have also, of course, infiltrated our sense of self, our self-esteem, our feeling of self-worth. All those things are deeply entrenched into consumerism and goods and competition. So what Gattari argues is we cannot just solve one ecology, but we need to take a holistic view and try to solve all these three ecologies together. I try to take a similar approach then. So what can we learn from Gattari when we look at fashion and sustainability? We're not going to have a sustainable fashion system if we also do not try to sort of rethink and redesign the way we work socially with fashion and the way that we mentally and sort of imaginally work with fashion and have a sense of our self-esteem. Again, this means that we must rethink the way that we teach fashion designers, meaning that it's not only about producing goods. You can think of yourself more like a hairdresser, you know, someone who offers a service, someone who creates environments in which people feel that they socially see and practice other forms of togetherness, but through the tools that we teach at fashion school, you know, meaning dress and, you know, and how we look to each other, you know, the aesthetics and so on. We must also include there 
how actually our dreams, how our sense of self-worth and so on is actually deeply tied to this. So we also need actually to help cultivate and think of, you know, how can we teach people self-esteem, courage, these things that make you feel that you can, you know, <laughs> feel good about yourself. Because it is as if we have this kind of elephant in the room, I often feel in fashion. We create these designers that are leaders, that are visionaries, that are influencers, of, you know, editors, what they're going to be. In order to be that, they need followers. Inherent in the way that we think of fashion is that there needs to be leaders and followers. And in order for us to follow, you need to be fearful. You need to be anxious. You know, you don't necessarily sort of follow just out of the joy of following. The byproduct of the whole ecology of fashion is also, it thrives on anxiety, thrives on our unfortunate sort of self, bad self-esteem and really the lowest emotions, if you want to say so, that we don't necessarily want to <laughs> reproduce in the society. And I feel we don't take that seriously enough in the world of fashion education. So what I'm trying to take with these three vistas is a more sort of holistic view on how should we think of acting and what does it mean to be a fashion designer in this social relational realm or in the imaginal realm, meaning that you are much more, instead of being a mass-producing kind of artist engineer in the sense of what we are perhaps teaching our students to be, how could we teach our students to be more like a coach or more like a doctor, more like a sort of a, having a clinical relation with their user? Like, how do you feel? You know, what is bothering you? Can I help you? I am a fashion designer. I can help you redesign this. And I see you. I see you, user. It is not about me as a fashion designer. I'm not so cool. And I'm also a DJ. And I'm also all these kind of awesome things that you just want to buy part of me. <laughs> but it's like, how do I see you? And I see that you... You are a person and you're suffering. Let me help you in the way that I can. And also in the mental realm, you know, perhaps we need to learn from more type of sort of spiritual practices and so on, where it's actually about building up people, people making people grow emotionally and, you know, interiorly, if you want to say so, rather than sort of just thrive on their lowest days where they have to go and shop my stuff to feel better about themselves you know so that's why i feel these kind of three ecologies or these three vistas may just help us see that aliveness in that sense comes in so many different ways and it comes in so many different expressions so we don't need to tie aliveness to more and more goods or less or so on as you were speaking i was thinking and i'm still learning there was a time when I had to really develop the skills on my left hand to make the critique and to act, to be able to do that and do that well. But on the other hand, I realized with time that I also need nourishment and I need what I really truly feel at the heart of fashion which is a sense of togetherness and it's a word that I constantly think of when it comes to fashion with a big f fashion with a small f fashion in any language that's out there this sense of togetherness we've used in the past the word interconnectedness and interbeing you know that uh, we are trying so hard to make visible in the kind of work we do with each other, with our students, in understanding the expansive ways in which we can approach fashion. 
And if you could just have some final words on togetherness, I would be so grateful. I mean, the, the way I connect it to fashion is in the way that we think of fashion default-wise, you know, is that we buy ourselves togetherness in so many ways. We buy ourselves into a certain subculture, we buy ourselves into another social class, if possible, and so on. The only sort of means that we sort of habitually use and, and teach in so many ways is to use the detour over the economy and over commodity society and, and consumerism in order to experience togetherness. Whereas I feel like Perhaps in our everyday life, you know, of course, I hope that most of us feel togetherness in such a wider sense, where we also can put trust and other types of social emotions into the togetherness. It's not only a sort of a symbolic togetherness in that sense, but it's something where we put ourselves at risk a little bit, we share vulnerabilities, and we share a sense of growth perhaps because our vulnerability, because we dare to open that little window to the soul. How can we think of fashion also as practiced in something that would have more of that? How can we do these things more together? How can we have this sense that we also teach this in, in fashion school, where I think we end up either in a sort of a cold, sort of cynical distance to it, or we end up in a very sort of critical anxiety about it. Or, of course, we end up in the sort of the, the, the competitive type of, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the coolest and do the most awesome stuff. But how could we actually train ourselves in togetherness? Meaning that we would have more moments in education to where these elements take place and where we actually are allowed to share on a deeper level. How do we cook more together? How do we spend more time together where we actually have the possibility of seeing each other on a deeper level and feel that our ideas are growing in this sense of shared curiosity and deep concern for each other's ideas rather than perhaps this kind of competitive academic clash of perspectives? How do we practice togetherness? We need more of that, I think. And I think that we can have much more of that if we rethink the way that we practice and conceive what fashion education is and where fashion lives in our social world. Atu, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Christina. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Fashion as a Great Teacher, spread the word, and join us for our next episode.